0: Cool. Okay.
1: What are we going to talk
0: about? Let's do some super simple stuff.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast brought to you by the Pull String Press. My name is Chris Baca, and I'm sitting here with my total best bro, Mr. Jared Truby. That's me. And we're going to
0: talk to you about some crazy coffee stuff right now, so hold on to your butts. Let's get into it. Like, what should we, can we call it cat facts? Is it ridiculous? Cat facts. Because it's super cheesy but funny at the same time. I could
1: go for some cat facts. Okay.
0: We're going to do segment segment of our show called Cat Facts. Sigan. It can be, yeah, it's just going to be any sort of factor information about coffee for beginners to experts alike. And we're going to have a little bit of that on random shows, maybe yeah. not every show. This right? is
1: a nugget you can take home with you. Yeah. So, something to put in your pocket for later. Yeah. You can tell your friends. Tell your friends.
0: And every time you hear us talk about it, we're going to say, Cat Facts That's with Chris adult. and Cat Facts. <laughs>
1: Beam me up to the cloud for some cat facts. Oh,
0: We should mm, actually say that. Yeah. <laughs> nope. We're going to beam up to the cloud for some cat facts. Uh, what's the first cat fact? Cat facts, for those who didn't know, coffee is actually a fruit that looks like a cherry that grows on an evergreen shrub. That's a cat fact. That's I mean, a good cat fact. That's, a, that's an important cat fact. Espresso is any coffee made in an espresso machine. So you may think that you're getting a coffee that tastes different or that is different when it's called an espresso, when you pick up a bag of whole beans. But the reality is any coffee that goes through that espresso machine is therefore an espresso. It's a method of extraction.
1: Right, method of extraction, meaning it's not a roast level. It's not a certain kind of bean. You can make any coffee as an espresso. That's right. Just like you can make any coffee in a French press. Or any coffee in a brewer,
0: like there it or is. Of a brewer, right? Yep. Decaf, light, dark, pre-ground, whatever you want. If it goes through an espresso machine, it has become espresso coffee.
1: And what what's what would you say is like the defining aspect of an espresso machine?
0: Espresso machine pushes pressure. Lots so of pressure. Uses pressure. Nine bars, they call it, which is I believe nine atmospheres of pressure for those nerdy nerds out there. And a bar is like fourteen point something pounds per square inch so basically there's a lot of pressure pushing this water super hot water through your espresso grounds and it's putting out a nice coffee beverage
1: 130 something psi that's correct chris thank you
0: all right that's a get Get fact fact. let's ask people things
1: i want to i kind of want to ask people things because i'm like really curious to know how everyone's making espresso and we kind of talked about this before on our little podcast where we did a ghetto podcast in the car and um but we were talking about espresso brewing ratios and trying to figure out what's normal, what's not. What what are people really doing across the globe? Because we're in California. That's right. On the coast. And I feel like the California espresso style has kind of over the past five years gotten a little bit larger overall. Mm-hmm. Brew ratio is at least one to two. True. Probably more. You're probably looking at like 19 to 20 grams in and... Definitely over 40 grams out. True. 40 to 50. Yeah, we're seeing that. Would be normal for a lot of roasters in California. Um, But then when we went to Seattle for SCAA, we were confronted by the 2020 vision. Yeah, we saw a lot of that, a lot of one-to-one ratios. 20 in, 20 out, which we thought was just gone. But it can't be. In general, but it's not gone. No. It's still there. And then at some other roasters of note we've seen like the 2030 thing happening yep so if you're listening and you're from another region of the u.s or maybe a different country altogether you should tweet at us at CatCloud coffee and tell us what your espresso brew ratio is and if you really want to get deep with us and, and go full on in your explanation send us a email Info at catandcloud.com, and and let's talk about espresso.
0: Yeah, I want to hear more, and I want to hear your reasons. Uh, I'd love to know why you make espresso the way you do, or why whoever taught you to make espresso, why they told you to make it that way. If you haven't thought about this yet and and gone deep into it, if you've just kind of taken it at status quo, that's absolutely fine. But let's hear about it. I'd love to talk about it. Um, Again, our Twitter is catcloudcoffee, not catandcloud. So that's C-A-T-C-L-O-U-D. C O F E E, and it's on Twitter. We're at that, so hit us up there. Uh, we'd love to talk more about coffee extraction and why we love what we love.
1: Two F's, F F E. Did I say two? Uh, oh you yeah, you said one F. Yeah, well, you know, you know how to spell coffee. Cat cloud <laughs> coffee.
0: You guys get You're it. listening. You don't know how to spell coffee. I don't even know how you found us. Cat facts. Coffee has two F's.
1: Mm, that's a good cat fact. That's a good cat fact. And then um,
0: let's let's talk about our brew ratios. What's your go to right now? You know, right now my starting well, okay. So I'm gonna be honest with you. It depends on the roast level of the coffee, which is weird. But uh, where I'm currently at at Castle Coffee Roasters, we have two different coffees. One of which we use for milk, and I am more in the uh, twenty to 30, 35 range. Right. Uh, for my single origin espressos, though, uh, we make them, we roast them differently on purpose. So they're a little bit lighter, and I'm in the I start around twenty, and I go I go forty-two to forty-four grams out just to start, and then I go from there. Right.
1: Yeah, that seems to be my starting point too with like a lighter roasted single origin kind of coffee. 20 something grams in and I'll I'll take it right to 4445 right away and then adjust from there every time. And I've been favoring the longer extractions lately time-wise Agreed. with the lighter roasted coffees for sure. Yep. In um over like 27, 28, 29 yeah. 30, 31, somewhere in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've gone all the way up to 32, 33, 34 seconds. I did a
1: 35 second shot the other day.
0: Really good, that right? It's pretty good, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes the uh, the light coffee, there's there's like a little less solubility in there. And so a little more contact time draws out a nice finish.
1: Yeah. I think you need to push it a little harder to get the extraction that you want. In contrast to the coffees that we used to use, which maybe like five years ago, which were Quite a bit darker roasted, and my shot times were like mid 20s and then sometimes earlier. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes like early 20s, like 21, 22. It 19, was- 19, yeah. I remember in some of the vintage hairbender days, it was like 21 second shots were like in the zone. I, remember, I think I asked Billy Wilson, and he's just like, dude, 21 seconds. Like, why would you pull it any longer? And I was like, I don't know. You're Billy Wilson. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just- I mean,. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm just a young kid. You're the, the champ.
0: Yeah, you get me those espresso pearls, and you tell me why. <laughs> I'm just trying to taste some stuff. Oh, you made caviar. That's fucking <laughs> sweet, Billy. <laughs> what did I make? Not a damn thing. Yeah, I, I dropped a drink. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of an advocate though of like this this what I would assume to feel maybe to some people like a really big shot. But here's the thing: when you when you've got your ratio of like 20 grams of coffee, you can actually draw a lot of body out of there. Like it definitely isn't too far of a um, of a wow sidebar that's not the word I'm looking for but that's all it's coming to mind from that uh, from the body of those those old school shots at times like sure the short short 2020 has got a lot of body and it's like what some people picture is like the classic espresso but I mean these these bigger shots you can get a lot of complexity out of them and you still can get a lot of body like you're not losing it it doesn't become like a thin coffee
1: I think complexity is the key you can get complexity you probably never, experienced in the smaller ones. Cause the experience is overall just like longer. Like if you have a shot that's 44, 50 grams out, like you're sitting with it for like a few sips. Mm-hmm. Um, you're tasting it. Even if you stir it, you know, you're tasting like different layers. Things are happening. Whereas like you get that 2020 20 shot, you're drinking a 20 gram shot. It just goes like right to the back of your mouth. It's gone.
0: Mm-hmm. And you just whatever's in there is all. It's all in the back of your tongue for the most part at that point anyway.
1: And you're hoping for like a rich taste probably. And you you maybe don't even care about the complexity as much in a shot like that you just want it to be sweet and you're you're good with that
0: yeah and you don't want it to be too sour or too bitter right yeah you just want like that syrup
1: void of negative
0: extraction byproducts and really nice and syrupy yeah i think i mean those are to me those are really good uh those are like the milk shots for me right because you add the milk to that and then it it adds um it adds the I don't know the balance of the amount of fluid to coffee ratio, and like it almost draws flavors out of there that you wouldn't taste otherwise. The milk actually adds something to it,
1: and it probably brings out flavors that you want to taste in milk, and maybe leave some of the ones that you don't behind. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, Chris, you get me. You <laughs> get, get what I'm trying to it. say. We're, on the, we're connected. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the cat on the cloud. That's the you cat. he brings me to
1: earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an anchor up in here. Yeah, and I rain on his parade. Rain on his parade. But um, yeah, I think we're both big advocates of experimenting with coffee. Like nothing's ever set in stone. Hell no. um, We totally understand that variables and situations are different for everyone. And how you said earlier, like, well, it depends upon the roast level. Like I totally get that. Yep. And I, I used to have that challenge. I remember when I was working at Ritual. And we had just kind of started roasting our own coffee, and I was pulling that, like, single-origin Lemu Lemu stuff. It was, like, really light, really bright, and, like, super tasty. Ethiopian coffee. Yeah, and I'd ordered some Intelligentsia, like some Black Cat, because it had always, like, Black Cat always, like, murdering it in competition. Big time. Like, so good. And I tried to pull it the way I was pulling the other coffee, and it just didn't work. And I was like, why does Black Cat taste like crap when I make it, but it tastes pretty fucking good whenever I get it? Do
0: you remember the those, cafe. Days? those days when you were like, you were like good enough at coffee that people would recognize your game, but you were not, you didn't understand it well enough to know that like that black cat was probably bomb if we pulled it a different way? I was on the wrong track. I, I did that all the time though. I'd get those coffees and I'd be like, how the hell did they win? Like my coffee tastes so much better. And it's like, it's not made to be extracted the way that necessarily you pull it at your cafe, which is pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Like, and yeah, the way that like that, uh, that myself or like even at Charles and, and and Kyle at Go Get 'em or or Billy at Barista, like all these people pull coffee pretty. I mean, all those places are pretty dramatically different. I'd say that no, you're not going to get the same style of espresso at any of them. They probably taste good at all of them, and if you were to take the style that maybe Billy is pulling with the coffee that Charles is using at Go Get 'em, and try to pull it the same way, it wouldn't taste right probably tastes weird it potentially tastes weird yeah probably tastes
1: weird and i was like blaming it on the coffee me too like, this stuff's not good like i got a bad batch this bag is not tight we've all been there what's happening really is my fault i really wasn't good enough
0: yeah well and then honestly some of these people that are listening maybe maybe don't even know that that's an uh, that's a factor like they might not have been educated enough like i wasn't educated enough to think outside of that box right so i was like well this is how you make espresso so like it must be, like you said Right? It's not that you weren't a skill set.
1: It's not that you weren't a good barista in right. the sense of that like we were both making coffee every day. I was making coffee for like super high volume, yep. like big days, but I was just and I was really comfortable with all the technical aspects of it. You know, mm-hmm. I could control my dose, my time time frame, Waste. Like, all, all that yep. stuff. Um, but it was just like a total curveball. I was making one kind of coffee, basically, yep. over and over again and I wasn't really sure. You know, I don't think I really understood how extraction worked. Yeah. I knew, like, ins and outs and time, but I didn't really know the fundamentals of extraction. So if you would have told me, like, oh, yeah, well, it's a darker roasted coffee, so it's, like, maybe a little bit more soluble. So, you know, if that affects all these other things, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, I I don't
0: know what you're talking about. You know what's actually an interesting point is, I mean, I learned so much about what we're speaking of now through having to compete. And uh, the barista competitions have been something that have been on the table, and it's like, are they important or are they not? But the the inherent understanding of where the coffee tastes best came from me practicing for barista competitions, from from the lack of ability to, well, for one, being scored on it, Mm-hmm. That's big, and on single shots, which does not allow you to pull a twenty twenty at all. You can't get away with pulling a twenty twenty and just score not well. Not enough liquid. In it's the not cup. enough liquid in the cup by rule definition. Therefore, if you want to do well in competition, you need to be able to essentially pull these, um, these shots in the in the twenty to to or sorry twenty into like forty to bigger out at sometimes maybe high thirties, and you have to be able to see those things without a scale and taste coffee in a way that prior to competing, I never would have tasted.
1: Well, dude, let's talk about that without a scale. Because now, I mean, if you're in the coffee game now and you've watched a barista competition, you've probably seen like most of the good competitors and people that are just kicking ass, and almost everybody, they have scales on stage. They're Mm -hmm. weighing inputs. They're weighing outputs. They got scales on the drip tray. Totally not cool when we started. 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Not allowed. You were not in the zone with using a scale. You couldn't use a timer. Mm -hmm. They hated Um, it. They would judge you down for that. It was just not accepted. If you didn't know what was happening visually, you just weren't a good barista. And if you brought out a scale, it's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Is he like a joke?
0: You know what's funny is it's like I get I get the idea of why the scale is good, but I really just personally, I love the idea of people just knowing by seeing and feeling. Like that to me is like, that's oh, the ultimate. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, a scale is an awesome tool. Don't get me wrong, but in my training philosophy with a scale has always been like if you ever put anything down on a scale, whether it's a filter with ground coffee in it mm. or a, you know, an extracted shot to weigh it before you put it down, you need to make a guess of what's in there. Always, always. And then when you put it on there and see whether you're right and that's good. And if you're wrong, then you need to enter that into your brain's data bank mm-hmm. so that over time you actually do don't really need the
0: scale as much, Big and time. you can do it by eye. And oh, there's no all doubt stuff you can. Same thing with volume, right? It's the same. It's actually a really fun game. So to, for those of you who have never done this before, you should almost start using the scale as a reference checker. So it's like you grind out your coffee from whatever, and you're like, "That's 19.8 grams," and then you're going to be like, "Put it on the scale. Oh, 19.6. Okay." what well, that that's what that looks like and then you can redistribute if that's what you do and then you tamp it and feel where that tamper sits in that porta filter and then reference that and be like okay that's 19.6 grams and then same thing you put the shot into the porta into the espresso machine and you zero out your cup and then you fire off that shot into your cup and then you turn it off and you're like okay that's that's 33 grams and then you put it on there you like nailed it sick like that's what that's the game you should be playing all the time because if your cafe well first of all it'd be great if our cafes were so busy that we couldn't use a scale every time without slowing down service. And it'd be even better if we were good enough to not need it because we actually like, we see these things and we inherently know them. I mean, that's the definition of the best barista really, if we can do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just about dependency for me too. I mean, obviously we want to set ourselves up in environments that kind of foster excellence. And if you want to use things like, Volumetric dosing and weighing out every shot to the tenth of the gram—that's freaking badass. That's but badass. In my mind, I'm like thinking I'm going to be in some situations sometimes to where I need to make coffee for people, and I'm not going to have those tools. And for me, in my own personal self, me being able to see, say, like, well, I don't have a scale, like I can't really do it, is just like total bullshit and unacceptable. Like if yep. I if I go over to someone's house, maybe it's a home machine super janky little thing. Maybe it's just like a weird old heat exchanger machine somewhere. Like I want to know that I can make coffee taste awesome with it. And just like, just by sight,
0: by, by feel and taste. Even down to watching the coffee come out of the portafilter. Like there will be for those people know this, like some people listening right now are able to, in their mind, picture a shot coming out of a portafilter and picturing it pro- progress from like that small drip to like the little flow to where it maybe gets that little wavy thing going and you're like okay I know how to turn it off right about now and you can like see that thing and if you're familiar with coffee like depending on roast sure there's variables if you were to walk into to grandma's house and she had an espresso machine you're gonna do that but you also would be able to get very close if you were to pay attention to all these factors you'd be able to probably make coffee pretty quickly by being able to see extraction come out of a portafilter.
1: Right. And then there's, yeah, I mean. I love that stuff. It I gets love me that stuff. Pumped. I mean, the drop used to be tight. Like, that was one mm-hmm. of the big things. You're like, dude, the drop. It dropped at six or it dropped at five. And then I have so many micro checklists going on in my brain. So from the time, because grinders suck. Like, they just suck. Like, you know, Nobody's they, perfect. they yeah. have timers on them and a certain mm-hmm. amount of coffee spits out. So that's like kind of where my checklist starts. Hit the button, I get ground coffee into the portafilter. First check, visual. What does it look like? How big is the pile? Where is it? Okay, that's how much coffee? I don't know, but I'm making a guess in my mind. Always. Second step, I'm redistributing the coffee, right? Because I redistribute. Uh, I usually use like some kind of finger strike dosing thing. And then I'm feeling like what the coffee feels like underneath my finger. Mm-hmm. And if it feels like really weighty or like it's pushing back maybe i have a more coffee than i originally thought if it feels really light or redistributes and sinks into the basket a little bit more that's going to give me a key to you know how little coffee there is in there yep um step three you tamp the coffee you just see how far your tamper goes into the portafilter Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if it's really high you got a lot of coffee if it sits low that gives you a clue to the dose yep um and then on to the things that you were saying you're in and on how many seconds till the drop and then just not just drop time but drop behavior because you could get two six-second drops you might get one that's like really pinner yeah um tight and like you know <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like a nice pinner yeah, no, yeah. or you might depending on how you know your pre-infusion set up on your machine you might get like a six-second rager yeah. like straight waterfalls tlc type shit that you might need to just like handle oh yeah so before you even got the you know The coffee like going you know into the machine you've got all these little points in your mind that you can kind of i don't know gauge dose against or something like that
0: no yeah you're definitely right and you know it's funny i mean you can definitely so for instance Sometimes the coffee will start dripping. It. It's it's uh, Craig Stubblefield sending in a text. He he loves us. Oh, Craig! Shout dude. out to Craig what Stubblefield. Craig? We haven't seen you in a long time. You miss you, Yeah, we miss you, Craig, Craig? and Cole Craig? and the whole family up there. And Jonathan samples. We miss you guys and Ben Dorgan. Shout out to y'all for listening. Mm. Um, he just texted me. I gave him a recommendation to go to Intelli Venice. So also shout out to Intelligencia over there in Venice. He said you took care care of him. He said he felt old, but it was still amazing coffee. <laughs> true story you are old Uh, we all are craig we're all old now man uh anyway what's funny though sometimes that'll happen right is you could get that that drop right at six seconds and you'll see coffee and some people be like well it dropped at six seconds and uh so it's on point but the flow rate can change flow rate can change so like you could have a six second drop on both two shots back to back but one shot at 22 seconds could be at like 40 grams and the other shot could be at like 28 and and it if you're not paying attention to all those things that chris was speaking about before you might not know why you might be like what's going on with my coffee you know right
1: and it's important to note what your coffee visually looks like when it is tasting at its peak like what that shot behavior is um when we started there was like um oh like you have to turn the shot off when it turns blonde or if there's excessive motion in the back end like that's all bad and like I used to fully believe those things. Like, if there was any wiggling, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm overextracted," mm-hmm. or like, "I probably have a channel." Yep. Um, and maybe they're na- true. And maybe now, maybe you do, depending on what's happening. But everybody's coffee looks different. Mm-hmm. So I remember Ben Kaminsky was the first person that said, "Like, we were at that spro down at Rituals, probably 2008, nine. I don't know. Eight. Whoa. Berkeley. Yeah. We had the spro down, and he's putting in coffee and professional, and it comes out, and you know." About 15 seconds through, it starts wiggling. I remember that. And everybody's like, oh. And like, he just looks at everybody and he's like, that doesn't matter. And I was like, fuck, he said it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was like, dang, I don't know if I believe you, Ben. And he was totally right. He was right. Because he knew the coffee he was pulling, he knew what it needed to look like when it was at its peak. And like, it didn't matter. So,
0: funny, quick story about Ben Kaminsky. You remember that ritual truck thing serving. Trailer deal. That, Sputnik is that what it's called? Sputnik. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ben Kaminsky served me. I don't typically. I've I've probably tasted three Sumatras that I like, and it's just a personal preference thing. There, it's not that they're bad coffees, but. I just don't love them, um, typically. And Ben Kaminsky, still this day I remember, pulled me a shot of a Sumatran coffee that I don't remember the, the name was of. Was that in
1: front of the roastery? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I had that, too. That shit was and good. it And
0: I was like, holy crap. First of all, because I hadn't really seen Ben make coffee. But second of all, because, Ben, you served me an amazing shot. If you listen to this, Ben Kaminsky, you made me an amazing coffee that was memorable enough that I still think about it. And I'm like, no Sumatra ever has tasted that way to me and maybe ever will again. So you should be proud of yourself. Um, but here's another thing to talk about because people often, you know, um, Pete Licata wrote on our blog just recently, uh, truebacca.com. That's now, that's now shooting us out to CatandCloud.com, where We've linked them all together. He he wrote about freshness and there's something that a lot of people may or may not know, but the fresher coffee has a lot more gas in it. And so if you're pulling espresso and, and and even if you're making a pour over, you'll notice that this coffee uh, blooms. That means it gets bigger. Like a lot of gas comes off. It gets kind of foamy looking for those who maybe don't know, but in espresso, there's like a fair amount more creme on fresh coffee. And so for those who are getting, um, paying attention to visuals, like if you know your coffee, well, you're going to be able to see through that. Um, IE like, The coffee in the cup when it's fresh looks a lot heavier and bigger in volume than it actually weighs. Yeah, it's fluffier. It's larger. So if you're measuring it up
1: against a shot glass, let's say you're at two ounces with really fresh coffee and two ounces with really old coffee, the older coffee is going to be heavier.
0: Yeah. You're going to see a lot more It's going to weigh more.
1: You're going to be yielded. Which is one of the biggest arguments for people who are like, you need to use a scale because there's these variables. But then we're coming back with like, yeah, scales are cool, but you should be able to take note of those variables in your brain. If I'm working with coffee that's four days old and I know it, I'm going to like adjust my visual cues to support that.
0: Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to taste and you're going to adjust. And I mean, that's, for me, that's an argument for using uh, an espresso for a long enough period of time that your team can, can understand it and know it in that way where it's not like every other day it's different. And I never get to, you know, we, you never get to experience the full potential of this coffee. And so for me, it's like something that I like, I like, I like learning a coffee. I like, I mean, that's the whole point in my opinion with coffees. I, I make a little mini relationship with every coffee that is served in any company that I've ever been in. It's like I like it. I get to know them. I know how they, how they, react and taste from the first day that they're out of the roaster, if I have access to it, all the way until the longest while out to be in the cafe, and sometimes longer if I take it home. Like I'll, I'll taste the coffee up to a month, two months out, just because I need to know. I can't help it. Right. You just have to brew it. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the idea of somebody saying, "Well, coffee can or cannot taste any, any such way at any time," because a lot of times there's not even a reason somebody just says it and they're like, well, that was my experience. So every coffee must be that way. And I just, I can't deal with it. I have to know every coffee is different. It's going to react differently by how somebody roasted it, by how somebody brewed it. I mean, and even me, I mess up coffees. I'm sure when I do a pour over, not every single pour over I do is ever going to be the exact same. And so I have to, I have to do it every single day, pour over sometimes too. I got to taste it. Even if I don't drink it, I'm like, I'm weird. I'm fanatical.
1: Fanatical. I'm fanatical. And then the, the the fanaticism is that a word? Feels like a word, Chris. Feels like <laughs> a word. Yeah. I mean, that shows itself in the finished product, and it goes deeper than brew ratios and ins and outs and and time frames. There's something about experience and like practicing that that insanity that Jared just talked about being like so loopily looped into all your coffee that it it shines through to where you could do the same thing as someone who had just started on bar, you know, put the same amount of coffee in, get the same amount of coffee out in the same time frame, and they're not going to taste the same. True story. Because there's ghosts in the machine that you can't catch. Man. Which I believe. There is. And there's ghosts in the darkness that will eat you. There's ghosts in the darkness that will just freak (laughs) you the shit out. All right. um, If you guys have any... Input on some of the stuff we just talked about, or, or thoughts of your own, l- yeah. Shout us out on Twitter, Cat Cloud Coffee. Uh, send us a picture on Instagram, Cat Cloud Coffee. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we got it all. We got it all. Or or write us an email, info at catcloud and we'll get back to you, and we will answer your questions on the podcast
0: and. We'd love to hear your take. Yeah, send us your questions, send us your thoughts, send us I mean anything. You want to send us a photos, that's tight too. Give us anything. I don't you know, know why
1: I said send photos like it was a thing. Send
0: us a photo on Instagram. <laughs> we can put a picture of you up on our blog and I'll talk about who you on our photo <laughs> thing with the podcast. This but, is Phil, he's a great guy. Yeah. This is Phil. Look at him. Cat back. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Dave. Pod. I'm going to race I'm gonna him. Race him. Yeah, we want to answer your question. So write us, email us, info, I-N-F-O, at catandcloud.com. Hit us on Twitter, hit us on the blog, hit us on the podcast. And maybe, uh, you know, for all you who really, really, really love us, again, we've called to action. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. C-A-T-A-N-D-C-L-O-U-D.com. Find it. Thank you. We love you.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Cat and Cloud podcast. If you love us, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm Chris Baca, and this is Jared Truby.
0: Hey-ho. Signing off. Friends.